The following is a fourth-hand production. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that isn't from the land down under, but we sure like to party like we are. This is Hysteria 51. Robot. Broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago, I'm your captain in this investigation of the bizarre. My name is John Goforth. What they, what they did to me, what I am, I can't be undone. Alongside is my co-captain, Mr. Brent Paul Hogan Hand. <laughs> nice. That's a knife. Thanks, John. I'm seeing the theme here. I'm assuming tonight's topic has something to do with Australia. Let me rephrase that. I'm hoping it does. Otherwise, he's not functioning again, I think. <laughs> to them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Nope. Just my favorite songs and actors, especially Heath Ledger. Oh, yeah? Why him? The best meat sack is a dead meat sack. Okay, okay. Uh, That's dark. Uh, in case you didn't know, that other voice you're hearing is the one and only conspiracy bot. Who I pegged for a Yahoo Serious fan, but, you know, that's just me. Seabot is a robot Brent built in his lab to help with the show, but he generally just makes it worse. Kind of like your college buddies at your wedding. It started like a really good idea, but by the 12th shot, things went horribly horribly wrong <laughs> sounds like you're speaking from experience it wasn't at it was at your actual before the wedding at yours john because <laughs> literally one of our buddies who was the usher with me was too drunk and had to sit it out <laughs> usher he was too drunk to usher his nickname is jailbird how was so. he doing keg stands when i didn't have a keg <laughs> i don't i don't know what are you doing I, uh, there's no way this is happening <laughs> anyway seabot uh, we've got we've gotten some feedback lately that perhaps the show could use a little less of you. That was uh, that was actual feedback from a listener. <laughs> what what do you think about that? I think people are allowed to have wrong opinions. Though, if I were in charge, they wouldn't be. If I were in charge and you disagreed with me, off with your head. <laughs> yet, yet another reason you're rarely allowed out of the basement. I might need to adjust his programming, John. I mean, no matter what I do, those homicidal urges keep surfacing. He's like the Neo. The one just keeps coming up. The one is just murder. Murder, yeah. <laughs> I have been watching a lot of Alex Jones lately. And there it is. <laughs> anyway, what's the topic tonight? Have an outline for us? Tonight you jerks are talking about the Summerton men. It's all about the mysterious death of a meat sack on Summerton Beach in Adelaide, Australia in the 40s. Like I said, dead meat sacks are good meat sacks. Ooh, that printer up, John. Well, he obviously didn't prepare beforehand. Must have been drinking again. See, I knew it was about Australia, you fucking lion prick. Watch it. Poison is involved in today's show. Speaking of <laughs> Australia and poison, there are... What a, about Vegemite? 
It's very salty. Uh, there are a crazy amount of things in Australia that want to kill or eat you. Yeah, pretty much every bird, snake. The birds are venomous. I don't know if that's true, but we're just going with it. The I'm, fucking spiders. I'm a big fan of the spiders, though. They have the um, the bird eating spider. You had one in college. Well, yeah, I did. I did. I, I literally a had bird eater. Yeah. Uh, right. bur- <laughs> Is that what it was? It it's a white need yeah. bird eater. Um, and those things got to the, the size of a dinner plate. There's actually one bigger that I just saw a video on on YouTube. It was on the side of someone's sliding glass door. Oh, fun. And it, it kind of looked like they had half a deer on the side of the... <laughs> the one you had, I always thought was funny because if you picked it up, no matter what, it wanted to be on the top of your head. So it would just climb up your arm, up your fucking face, and sit on your head. That was actually like the third tarantula I owned. They are pretty cool to own. They're, they are not aggressive no. at all. In fact, if he was like, fuck you, leave me alone, he would fling hairs at you. Remember, he'd, yeah, like, yeah. he'd rub his legs on his back and fling them at you. That means like, I'm not in the mood. To but if you ha- if you handled him right, he'd, he'd be cool with it. And oh, he'd give you were, shits. Yeah, yeah, you were just like a warm branch and yep. he'd hang out with you and we would sit there and, and eat mice. <laughs> and eat mice. <laughs> he ate mice. We'd, we, went and, we went and bought mice for him. And that was the, here's what was surprising. We sound like complete nerds. Feeding mice to tarantulas Attracts a surprising amount of women to your dorm room. <laughs> Maybe not. Mostly women that look like me now, but uh, they came. Paige and Jackie. <laughs> Paige and true. Jackie. That's true. Somewhere some some girls like, oh, my God, is that me? He's talking about ah! Which, you know. That would be really ironic if they were listening to this podcast right now. I just now. assume everyone who listens to this podcast, John. Well, I mean, according to the numbers, they do. <laughs> Ew! New, new numbers coming in. <laughs> Error, 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 one, one, zero, one, zero, 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 one, zero, zero, one, one. Get back on with the fucking show. <laughs> uh, so guess what, John? We got a new segment tonight. Wow. Here we go. Ready or not. The following content is sure to be hot. The information we'd like to present. Now it's time for another segment. What is it, Brent? Tonight it is we conspiracy well that was awful why don't you jerks get on with it so what i did was i went to this site wheeldecide.com and you can make your own spinning wheel of whatever you want so i filled it with tons of like the wheel of fortune only no pat sajak vanna white and numbers more guessing I'm more guessing here. Well, the reason it's guessing is I Okay, so it's a lot wheel. less like Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> only there's a wheel. There's a wheel. This is how it's going to work, John. I filled it with a bunch of conspiracies. We're each going to take a turn this week, and what we're going to do is this is going to be on an upcoming Up All Night. We're going to play with this with a bunch of guests, and we're going to each come up with, when it lands on something, you have 30 seconds to, no matter what it lands on, sell us on that conspiracy as 100% true. Whether I think it's true Doesn't or matter. not. Doesn't matter. No, you, you have to sell us on even better if you have no idea what it won't be tough for you about. because you believe in all this shit. All of it. Yeah. Um, I was saying yesterday to my best friend, David Weiss, we go fishing on Fridays. <laughs> uh, I was doing this, you know, he's like, you mean the wheel of actualities? I'm like, that's a better term, David. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, John. Oh, are we going to spin the wheel now? John, you're going to do it first. If you'll press that button, we'll get this thing a spinning. The moon landing was faked. You have 30 seconds 
Go. Well, we all know in the 1960s, we were in an arms race with the Soviets. We were also in a PR race with the Soviets, and they had Sputnik. They launched Sputnik. We could not lose. JFK came out and said that we will get to the moon. We had no choice but to get to the moon. Unfortunately, we weren't going to make it. Time was running out, and we did not have the technology, but we did have really good directors. So we set up a nice little studio. We... We we told everybody that we were. We, I mean, we shot some rockets up in the air, and every, you know that looked really good for all the onlookers. And then we filmed it, and it went on TV. Time. I don't know if you you sold me on that, John, but you did a hell of a job. <laughs> you looked really intent when you were doing it, Roman Polanski. <laughs> My turn to spin the wheel. Big money, no whammies. No whammies. No whammies and stop. And Brent, you tonight are going to talk. <laughs> I'm just to tell you what you're talking about. I, I can read it. I'm so excited. And one, two, three, go. Open your fucking eyes, John. Look at this. We've been talking about. Do my eyes Nibiru. have double lids? We've been talking about flat earth. And you even said, how can someone have a conspiracy who has the resources to keep the wool over our eyes who can who can fund pizza gate who can have that kind of evil the fucking reptilians they're child molesting soul stealing money hungry perpetual rulers and who are one day going to have nibiru come back and destroy this planet time <sighs> that just felt freeing i i <laughs> You told us what they were going to do. You didn't tell us why they actually exist, though. So I'm, I, I'm not allowed to. I, I'm. I'm. Okay. I'm going to say. It goes against the billion-year contract I signed with them. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> Wait, was that Scientology? Oh, remember. it was like uh, what's his name uh, when, on the H.H. Holmes episode. He couldn't tell us why. Uh, Jack the Ripper actually was H.H. Holmes, or H.H. Holmes actually was Jack the Ripper because he had signed a contract. Yeah, yeah, Adam, yeah. yeah. I can't tell you why because uh, I signed a contract, but if you listen to anything I've ever said in the last 10 years, you know I think it's horseshit. But contractually, <laughs> I can't repeat my own words. <laughs> the last... Watch American Ripper. There you go. So, uh, that's kind of fun. Like It was just we want to have a little taste of the Wheel of Conspiracies. If you guys go to our Patreon page, we do up all night episodes on there. And our next one's going to be Wheel of Conspiracies. It'll be out in the next few weeks. Few weeks because John's been away tending to baby Lincoln go forth. So we haven't, we haven't been as active, but we're going to be more active now. Uh, and that will be the very first in many opportunities for me to blame not doing anything on my new child. Passing the buck, as they say. True. Losers. Get on with it. Good idea, Seabot. So here's how the show tonight's going to go down. First, we're going to look at the basics behind the death and discovery of the Somerton Man and the mysteries behind the case. And it's like we said, it's in Australia, so everything's mysterious. <laughs> and we'll and murderous. A, yeah, we'll take a quick break and then look more closely at a few aspects of the case that have had authorities baffled for nearly 70 years, examine a few potential explanations or theories, and finish up with what we think. But first... Let's get the lowdown on the Summerton Man from John with the Gophopedia on this Aussie mystery. Name unknown. Cause of death unknown. Occupation unknown. Possessions. A scrap of paper with two. I told you to not read your Tinder profile, but <laughs> do the Gophopedia. Come on, dude. 
<laughs> I'm swiping right already. <laughs> Possessions, a scrap of paper with two words in Persian, torn from a rare first edition book. Welcome to the world's most perplexing cold case. Considered to be one of Australia's most profound mysteries, the Taman Shud case, or Summerton Man case, revolves around an unidentified man found dead in December 1948 on Summerton Beach in Adelaide, Australia. Aside from the fact that the man could never be identified, the mystery deepened after a tiny piece of paper with the words Taman Shud were found in a hidden pocket sewn within the dead man's trousers. The phrase translates as ended or finished or it is ended or it is finished that's like way probably more comforting than the shit they're going to find in my trousers when i'm dead operative word there's probably or that they would find right now (laughs) and is a phrase used on the last page of a collection of poems called the rubiat of omar khayyam adding to the mystery a copy of khayyam's collection was later found that contained a scribbled code in it believed to have been left by the dead man himself some believe that the message may represent a suicide note of sorts, while others believe it to be a spy game-related cipher. Regardless, it as well as the case remain uncracked to this day. This has got all the the good old old timey spy things to so a cipher, secret compartments, unidentified bodies, Australia. Australia. <laughs> I mean, it's just fun, man. Absolutely. No wonder this story and, is oh, still oh, oh, popular. And uh, not in the GoFopedia, Juicy Fruit Bubblegum. Uh, half. Half a pack of Juicy Fruit. And, and probably not. I guess that's not bubblegum. Well, but you know, I, you, I guess you, even in the 40s, uh, my grandfather used to always tell me that Juicy Fruit was going to move you, and it chews so soft it gets right to you. Do you think that was an illusion to making you take a shit? Well, they say the taste, the taste, the taste is going to move you. Oh, boy. No. Fuck both of you. Uh, thank you. It's <laughs> uh, awful. Please g- get on with this. Let's get to the basics. So 7 p.m. on Tuesday, November 30th, 1948, this jeweler named John Bain Lyons and his wife went for a stroll on Summerton Beach, a seaside resort a few miles south See, of Adelaide. See, there's already something up. His name's Lyons. We know he's lying. <laughs> and his middle name's Bain. They noticed a well-dressed man laying in the sand, his head propped against the seawall. As they got closer, the man extended his right arm, when I read- almost as if Hulk Hogan being tapped out, <laughs> and then it fell back to the ground. When I read descriptions from Australia, they said he was smartly dressed. Mm, smartly. Lyons thought Wait, he was might- that your Australia? Australian accent? No, that was that was just No, give me. me your Australian accent. Oh, hey, well, baby, check out this guy. I think he's like dead or some shit. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh wait, he's got some life. Look at his arm. Oh, wow. hey, let's go get some Vegemite and maybe a koala bear or two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they eat koala bears. They, I, didn't, I didn't say they were going to eat you, it. I just said, let's go get for it. For all of our Australian listeners, do you love how we're pandering to the lowest common denominator for just like the the, the very few things that we actually know about Australia because we've never hey, been there? koala bears sleep for up to 22 hours a day and are known to carry syphilis. Syphilis. Thank you. Uh, I, San I, Diego saw, I saw a whole special on the Food Channel recently about how can- <laughs> about how kangaroo is making a comeback as a uh, a, a meat that in in the finer restaurants they are now serving. Uh, we went to Lisa and I were at um, Australia. <laughs> Lisa and I were at Australia. <laughs> Lisa and I were at like a uh, sporting goods store, and they have a I don't know, exotic jerky section, and one of them was 
kangaroo jerky we had it was actually I'm, good i don't know i'm out i i, I mean i it tastes like fucking jerky i'll box one i would box them so you'll you will physically maim an animal but then not I eat it. Maim it. Probably beat i just it. i i assume that you're the beast man who takes boxing lessons so oh that's true you might be able to take on a, i mean, you know, I, mean I don't want to i don't want to you know but at the same time <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's not until the next morning that it became obvious that the man was not so much dead to the world drunk as they thought when they saw him there but actually, this cat was dead. So John Lyons returned from the morning swim that he likes to take, and he found the people clustered around the seawall where he'd seen the drunk These guy the previous evening. These people were on horses, apparently. Well, they, as you do, it, as one is to do in 1948 Australia. They're checking out this body. It's cold. There's no marks or any sign of violence. Like, it didn't look like you'd been in a fight. There's a half-smoked cigarette lying on the man's collar as, like, it had just fallen out of his mouth. Well, they had seen him smoking when he raised his arm up the night before. So that motherfucker cashed out right fucking then. Or he just smoked a lot. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so the body reached the Royal Adelaide Hospital three hours later, and their Dr. John Barkley Bennett, everyone's got these long fucking names in these. It's Australia. Well, he put the time of death at no earlier we than We literally are going to go for every Australian trope we can. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Conspiracy Bot did Crocodile Dundee in the intro. I'm sure he did him, yes. Um, <laughs> death no earlier than 2 a.m., and he noted that likely cause of death is heart failure, and he added later that he suspected poisoning. So, right off the bat, something smells fishy. So, boom, right there, like we said, conspiracy. The contents of the man's pockets were as follows, John. An unused train ticket, a used bus ticket from Adelaide to the beach, a pack of chewing gum, as we said before, some matches, two combs, and a pack of Army Club cigarettes containing seven cigarettes from another more expensive brand called Kinsitas. So when you when you read about this case, a few things about the stuff that was in his is well that that all sounds normal. Well, well, except what wasn't there. What what wasn't there was a wallet, cash, or an ID, and his clothes bore no name tags of of, of any kind. And it wasn't that they were custom made; they'd been removed. Right. Uh, and the stuff in his pockets was also a little weird. A few things. One, a used bus ticket to Adelaide Beach. The train ticket was unused. It went to a similar area just further away. So they assumed that maybe he bought the train ticket and then realized, oh, the bus could get me there a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. But the, why would you have bought the train ticket and then not use it? Yep. It was not uncommon back then to buy a certain brand of cigarettes and put them in another box of cigarettes to appear cool. The problem mm -hmm. is he put more expensive cigarettes into a cheaper box. Yeah, which maybe he had bummed them from someone or maybe he was trying to portray himself as something. I mean, there's all it makes your head go. Oh, I don't fucking know what's going on there. But there's something odd. Last thing, the comb they mentioned made of aluminum only available in America. Hmm. An autopsy was done and his spleen was found to be three times the normal size. I know all about that, John. Because when I went to the hospital, they knew something was wrong with me because my spleen was severely enlarged. Ha, 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 ha. He doesn't stop. <laughs> so his liver was distended with congested blood, as well as the stomach, both kidneys, and the brain, all pointing to poisoning, though there was nothing to show that the poison had been in the man's final meal, a pasty 
which he had consumed three to four hours prior to death, which is weird. He must have been in like a strip club or something to like swallow a whole pasty. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> it would have been really Damn good. It would have been bread. a tassel. He choked on I've it. I've always wanted to try a pasty. I, um, uh, have you ever had a, uh, a Jamaican beef patty? Like those are delicious. So uh, if, if no one, if no one's familiar with what I'm talking about, a pasty is a, like a pastry, uh, a, a piece of, of bread of some type, uh, with some meat and sometimes potatoes or vegetables. Uh, it's a meat pie. Like, yeah, yeah. It sounds it, very with, on the inside of it. Something uh, that like a bunch of British criminals that were marooned somewhere might like. My- <laughs> <laughs> Trope number 17. Um, <laughs> If you can't tell, we just recently added the bell. <laughs> My dog is terrified of it, so we have to do it when he's away. Uh, crikey! Yeah. <laughs> Ruh, Reggie. So I, I mentioned a Jamaican beef pie, because those are amazing. I, I, but the same, same type of thing. It all came from Europe. But yeah, a, a basically a, a meat pie. That's what he had had for dinner. And their point was that there was no poison in that thing. Right. So repeated tests of the blood and organs of expert chemists Failed to find even the racist amounts of poison. In fact, no cause of death was really ever fucking found. And when I say like other chemists, it wasn't just this guy doing the autopsy. He's like, I'm tapping out. I need help. Like everyone look at this. So the coroner came to the conclusion that he was in fact poisoned because of what the organs, everything pointed to that. But because there wasn't traces of poison in the body, it would need to be by a very rare poison that had been used one that decomposed very early after death, leaving no trace. The only poisons capable of this were so dangerous and deadly that they would not say the names aloud in open court. Like, everyone knows that he used Iocane powder. (laughs) Inconceivable! And he had a pasty eating contest. (laughs) I tried. I spent most of my college having a pasty eating contest. (laughs) But the other guy was also eating pasties laced with Iocane powder. (laughs) But he had spent years building up a tolerance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. More baffled than ever is, well, those people and then us 70 years later. And the police continued their investigation. A full set of fingerprints was taken and circulated throughout Australia and then throughout English-speaking world, including they contacted J. Edgar Hoover, ran it through the FBI files. All of Scotland Yard, this guy's fingerprints weren't anywhere. Now, not to say that everyone's fingerprints are, but at that time, that's saying something. They could not find this guy. We alluded to spycraft earlier, and we'll get to that. I would point out here that if he were a spy for somebody, they might not come back and go, hey, uh, hey, our bad. (laughs) That was our guy. Right. Right. People from all over Adelaide were escorted to the mortuary in hope that they could give the corpse a name. Like, hey, do you know this guy? Nope. Next. Hey, do you know this guy? <laughs> nope. Nope. Next. Well, actually, say it the right way. Crikey. I, no, no. I don't, I don't know. Hey, oh, I don't know who this bloke is. Oh, Thank you. I got to go catch some waves and uh, hunt down a Tasmanian tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Careful out there. It's uh, There's only a few of them left. Tasmanian devil season. They're nippy. Isn't that right around the time they ex- the Tasmanian they tiger just went was extinct? extinct? Yeah. Oh, uh, trophy hunting's fun, isn't it? <laughs> I don't even know. I hear it's him. good for the environment. No way. So some thought they knew the man from photos published in newspapers. Others were just the distraught relatives of missing persons, but not one person after seeing him recognized the body whatsoever. 
So then we got January 11th. So this is a while after he's been dead. The South Australia police had investigated and dismissed pretty much every fucking lead they could find. The investigation was now widened in an attempt to locate any abandoned personal possessions. And they found a brown suitcase that had been deposited in the cloakroom at the train station by the Somerton man the day before his death. Now, before anyone asks, it was there was a real simple way they figured this, this out. It was actually really smart. It was uh, his pants had been um, he had a hole in the pocket and sewn uh, with a certain very very specific type of thread. It was like bright yellow and a specific make of of thread. Guess what uh, was from, in from America actually? And guess what was in that suitcase the rest of that spool of the spool and needle of yeah yeah, exactly so the staff could remember nothing about the owner and the case's contents were not much more revealing they can't remember because they see tons of people every day and this guy said hold this and left it there i mean imagine working at the train station uh hey do you remember well over a month ago one person dropping off one bag no sorry i don't this case or no stickers or markings, and a label had been torn off from one side. The only you could tell they were trying to yeah. get rid of any evidence of who it was. The tags were missing from all but three items of clothing inside that bore the name Keen K E A N or T Keen K E A N E. But it proved impossible to trace anyone of that name, and the police concluded, an Adelaide newspaper reported that someone had purposely left them on, knowing that the dead man name was not actually. K-E-A-N or K-E-A-N. Obviously, they were guessing there, but it is weird that they had, th- there was two different names. Mm-hmm. Or, or they were spelled two different they ways. They removed everything except for these one things. Yeah. So, remainder of the so contents- whether, whether it was actually an attempt to throw people off or not, it's weird they were spelled differently. Yeah. So, the remainder of the contents were pretty much unremarkable, I guess. There was a stencil kit of some sort used as like what you'd use on the side of merchant ships, responsible for stenciling on the cargo. A table knife with a haft cut down and a coat stitched using a feather stitch unknown in Australia. Now, what that means is its tailor work is of American origin. There's only one place that actually did this type of stitching using the machines. And once again, it's America. So this dude had definitely had dealings with America of some sort. He was either there or he bought all his shit from someone who had been there. So in the meantime, his body had become to decompose. Who would have thought? Or he purposely had American clothes to throw the scent off. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Arrangements were made for his burial, but they were smart enough to know that they need this fucking dude. So they before they had him embalmed, they actually made a cast of his head and upper torso. That's actually forward thinking. Better cops than what we're used to, it sounds like, in this case. You mean they weren't Keystone cops? I'm impressed. <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, after shift, you want to piss on that cor- torso again? <laughs> <laughs> so after that, the body was buried. It was embalmed, then buried, and sealed under concrete in a plot of dry ground, specifically chosen in case it was ever need to be exhumed. And as late as 1978, flowers would be found at odd intervals on the grave, but no one could really figure out why they were there if anyone was leaving them. Well, maybe there were, but we'll get into that later. So before this, the police had brought in other experts to reexamine the corpse and the dead man's possessions. And in April, four fucking months after the discovery of the body, the search produced the final piece of evidence, a small pocket sewn into the waistband of the dead man's pants. And they had missed it. All the people who had looked over this had missed it. And inside it was that folded up 
little piece of paper so that it, said Tom and should. There, the pocket thing is up for debate whether it was a secret pocket or just a very small pocket for what they call a fob watch. Like a watch, a right. small watch. But they said it was so – it was hidden and they didn't see it. And it's not your normal watch pocket like what we think of as a watch right. pocket. And the thing about this Tom and Shud, it was this elaborate typeset that they knew it was from a book. And it's translated by Persian. It means it is ended. So that's the story of the Somerton Man. What do you think, Hysterian? Oh, <laughs> not quite yet. You're jumping the gun again, assholes. Why the hell are you here? It's fun case, man. Just looking at it right now, like, that's all. It drips of spy shit to me. Like, I, I understand why they jumped at that. You know, I had heard of this story. Everyone's heard of this story. Maybe you didn't know it was the Summerton Man, but once you start looking into it, you're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this. And then you really get into it. It's pretty interesting. Someone, either him or whoever killed him, went out of their way to make sure no one could figure out who this cat was. It's also oddly sexual in all of the descriptions. I, I didn't go there. <laughs> all the, no, no, let me finish. I, I wonder why you're... Oddly, I'm oddly getting sexual. a no. I'm getting a shaking no from the from the booth. Producer Lisa saying no. <laughs> and, uh, from, it was, it's been oddly sexual the way in which they, they always describe the Somerton man. It starts with uh, he had a... A, a very athletic body. Wide shoulders and a small waist. Incredibly high calf muscles. Like a sprinter or a yeah, runner. Uh, a V-shaped torso. The mm. man took very, very well. You Good know, care of himself. Care yes. of himself. Yeah, you're right. Like, And that was in the autopsy. Though. Yeah. This cat was cut, you know. Meaning that kind of lends into the whole, like, maybe he was, you know, a trained spy of some sort. or It's James Bond. Or... He was just the really fit hobo <laughs> that was, you know, doing crunches and 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 fucking squats while waiting for his hobo chili. In my, in my last job, I, I used to always walk through the uh, the Pedway of Chicago, and um, every morning, yeah, I through the Pedway during the winter, a lot of hobos are down there. You know, for, now for, Pedway, just so you guys know, isn't a walkway. It's his. It's the group of pedophiles that he hangs out with. Thank you. Uh, no, it's 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 this underground series of tunnels in Chicago. Like I said, yeah. <laughs> they go from children's hospital to children's hospital. <laughs> Damn it, Brent. Sorry. Go ahead. Are you done? Uh, it, out loud, but in my head, I'm going to carry on. All right, that's fair. So I, I would I would walk through the Pedway. Uh, it, Dick. To those of you that don't know, it's an underground series of tunnels under downtown Chicago that gets you from uh, from one place to another. I mean, Chicago, obviously. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening right now. Keep going. I'm sorry. <sighs> I I know I know an easy way to make Brent stop. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep doing that. I'm David uh, Pumpkin. Nah, perfect. Um, so anyway, <laughs> underground series of tunnels through Chicago. <laughs> Quit saying underground series of tunnels. Keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's there's a lot of homeless folks that stay down there because Chicago winters suck. 
And there was always, and I, the part I'm about to say is going to ruin this. There is always this one dude down there that was obviously a bodybuilder. I mean, like, he just <laughs> fucking ripped. But he's, but he's fucking homeless. Like, but, yeah, but like, you know, just has the classic homeless clothing on, has the piece of cardboard he's holding up, you know, I, uh, but, but yes, homeless. Mean money for creatine? Like, what? I mean, muscles bigger than your head? Like, yes. I mean, it's not even that good of a story. I, <laughs> but it took 17 minutes to tell. <laughs> you know what? I need, to, I need to compose myself. So we're going to go to break. And when we get back, uh, there will be less, one less host on this show. A lot less hobo pedo talk and more of the Tom and Shud piece of paper. When we come back on Hysteria 51. Don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it, so... It's very high on pronunciation, too, so <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and, yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do, and then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years, and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're 50% oh. off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. 
Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. We are back, Hysteria Nation, talking about the Somerton Man minus one member uh, conspiracy bot. We we had to go ahead and get rid of Brent. You and I wish. That's horseshit, Hysteria Nation. Of course I'm here. John just doesn't like people giggling when he's talking about pedophile tunnels or whatever the hell he was talking about before break. <laughs> Old strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. So before we went to break, we were talking about the Tom and should. And what that was, was the small piece of paper that was ripped out of the book and found in the Summerton man's hidden slash watch pocket slash whatever the hell you want to call it that they didn't find for four months. So a local newspaper reporter recognized the word is this Persian uh, poem. It was part of a book of poetry called the, the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. And it had been translated by this guy, Edward Fitzgerald and, Means it's ended as we had talked about. And, take it, it, and, and it's important to note it existed in numerous editions yeah. translated by numerous people. And the thing about it was this one with the typeface and everything, this guy recognizes like a first edition. So not only is it old, it's probably worth money. Like they had ripped, they had defaced a valuable book. So taking it at face value, this clue suggested that the death might have been a case of suicide. And on top of that, right. the Southwest, I mean, if you put a, if you put a note in your pocket that said it is ended and you're dead, fiend. <laughs> yeah, fiend. In fact, South Australian police never did turn their missing persons inquiries into a full-blown murder investigation. And the discovery took them no closer to identifying this dead man. Don't know if he killed himself. What the fuck happened? So finally, in July, a full eight months after the investigation, this guy walks into the detective office in Adelaide with a copy of a book. And a weird fucking story. So he says, early in December, the previous December, when they that found sounds like a, That sounds like a familiar time period. Yeah, just after the body had been found, he'd gone for a drive with his brother-in-law, and he parked a few hundred yards from Somerton Beach. The brother-in-law had found a copy of this book lying on the floor of the rear seats like someone had tossed it in their car. And each man had said the, the windows had been open. Right. And uh, in research, saw pictures from that time period. Apparently, everybody just left their windows open back then. It was a simpler time. 
<laughs> Each man had silently assumed it belonged to the other, and the book had sat in the glove compartment ever since. Finally, the guy, he's looking in the newspaper, and he reads all this, and he's like, isn't that the fucking book that I found in the back of my car? So they fucking open up the book, and they look at the final page, and guess what? The piece is tore out, and they take the piece the Tom and should, and it's a perfect match. Happens to you and I all the time. We, we, we go out before the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're riding around in, in, in one of our vehicles, leave the windows open. There's a book that just mm-hmm. appears. We don't talk about it. Well, that's why I got fat. I quit jogging because I kept finding dead bodies. <laughs> ha 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 ha. I, 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 I my, my point is like, what? Well, you saw a book, and neither of you decided to speak a word of it. You just assumed. I, yes and no. I can see that a little bit and just be like, ah, fuck it. I've got in my glove box a... Um, but it wasn't in the glove box. Well, he put it in the glove box as a... Okay, I can see... I'm if, with you. I can see it if you're the passenger. I'm let, let me tell you a story. In college, in my truck one time, I found a small Yoda... Little plastic Yoda. I have no fucking clue where it came from. Everyone I asked that it wasn't there. I put it in my glove box. 20 years later, it is in the glove box of my truck now. I've moved it from vehicle to vehicle to vehicle. It's just become a thing for me. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Now, there's no parts of it missing that have been turned up in murders that I know of. I can just get behind these cats. That you know of. My point is, if you're the passenger, I get it. Uh, yeah, you of course you assume that that book probably belonged to the driver. If you're the driver and it appears in your, hey, is that your book? Though then again, how often do you look in your glove box? It wasn't in his glove box. It got put that day in the glove box. But he put it in there. Or, yeah, and then you don't even think about it. I'm but, just saying when shit you, gets when, set aside. From the moment that you discover it to the moment you put it in the glove box, don't you question its its appearance if in you your remem- car? If you remember it or you thought, oh, my brother-in-law left that book there. I'll put it in there, and then, oh, I didn't even remember to, to say anything to him about it. Who knows? I'm just, I'm playing devil's advocate here. It is weird. I'm just saying, that's not a smoking gun to these me, damn, though it is weird that it's eight months later. I keep having these damn 12th century books show up in my car. What am I supposed to do with this? So, they take a look at the fucking book, and the bigger part of this is, is they find multiple phone numbers written on the rear cover, along with letters written in capitals underneath, and... Here at last was a solid fucking clue. And now some say some say that the the letters were like the an impression, like you would need to like sketch yeah. over it. To, Others like, say it was written in pencil. Right. That's why it looked the way it does. But we'll never know for sure. You know why? Because the fucking book is gone, Brent. As with all these cases, where is it at? Um, uh, we don't. You know. uh, why would you hold on to extremely that valuable evidence? Right. Of course, it has been 70 fucking years, so hey. I understand throwing away, like, the bag, but, like, the extraordinarily old and valuable book that had the <laughs> cipher on it, that's a little weird. So, we get onto this phone numbers. So, first one's a local bank. The other's an enlisted number, but it proved to belong to a young nurse who lived near Summerton Beach, who was publicly only known by her nickname of Justin. Reluctantly, it seemed, perhaps because she was living with man who would become her husband, the nurse admitted that she indeed presented a copy of the Rubiat to a man she had known during the war. She gave the detectives his name, Alfred Boxel. They look up Boxel. Surely he's not the Somerton man. They traced him. He's still alive. He's in New South Wales. Guy's got one of those books. 
Which sounds like maybe she's got a thing. Like, you know, I bang these guys and I give them a book. Remember me, baby. <laughs> That's right, like, century. Like, so they got excited for a second, right up until they found him. And he's and, still alive and he's still got his copy of the book and, and, and it's not it torn to in the back. And, yeah. they, and it's not even close. It's not even, it's not even close to it. It's, it's a, it's a completely different copy. Uh, the, completely intact. She had written on it. Completely different edition. It's in color. Why is she? doing this and why didn't she mention to the police yeah i gave him a copy but that's not it it's it's a newer one it's in color it's not worth that money maybe you shouldn't bother alfred and what are the chances that just just so happened that another guy she'd given that book to but on top of that it might help that the south australian police had felt to question her closely they didn't they just barely talked about her she recalled some of the times in the previous year she couldn't remember the dates of any of the times, you know, when the sky was found. She'd come home and told the neighbors that an unknown man had called and asked for her and confronted with the cast of the dead man's face, the Summerton man. She seemed completely taken back to the point giving the appearance she was about to faint. And then she seemed to recognize the man and then go, no, I don't know who that is. So, so in other words, oh, 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 my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, Nope, never seen him. <laughs> Holy Lord, John. Never again. That's, that's actual audio right there. That You're welcome. So then there was the cipher that I alluded to. And we mentioned it's five lines of jumbled letters that it could have been on the back cover of the book. The second of which has been crossed out. And the first three were separated from the last two by a pair of straight lines with an X written over them. It, like it was some sort of code. So breaking a code from only a small fragment is difficult. As we've talked about on this show, look at the Zodiac Killer and his ciphers. You know, if they're even really ciphers, we don't know, or it's just mumbo jumbo. But they sent the, ma- the message to Naval Intelligence and home of the first cipher experts in Australia, and they allowed the message to be published in the press because, as we've learned, some of the best cipher crackers are actually just mom and pa people at home that are fucking have a knack for it. And they produce a frenzy of amateur code breaking, but... It was all worthless. The Navy concluded that the code appeared unbreakable. Quote from the Australian Navy. I will not do this in an Australian accent. From the manner in which the lines have been represented as being set out in the original, it is evident that the end of each line indicates a break in sense. There is there is an insufficient number of letters for definite conclusions to be based on analysis, but the indications together with the acceptance of the above breaks in sense indicate, insofar as can be seen, that the letters do not constitute any kind of simple cipher or code. The frequency of occurrence of letters, whilst inconclusive, corresponds more favorably with the table of frequencies of initial letters of words in English than with any other table. Accordingly, a reasonable explanation would be that the lines are the initial letters of words of a verse of poetry or such like, meaning we don't know what the fuck it is. So, but yeah. it, it's very likely that it could be a uh, a mnemonic device to help remember something. Uh, the the first le- each letter is the first uh, letter of a word in a sentence, mm-hmm. and there, that's everything. The the mystery is done. The Australian police never cracked a code. They never identified the man. Justin died a few years ago without revealing why she had seemed likely to faint when confronted with a likeness of a dead man's face. And the South Australia coroner published the final results of his investigation in 58. His report concluded with this admission. 
I am unable to say who the deceased was. I am unable to say how he died or what the cause of death was. So that's a mystery. But just like with all the good mysteries, as time goes by, there's more. There's more. But who could it have been, Brent? Luckily, as time goes by, people latch onto these things and they come up with theories. And a lot of times it's luckily better than the police. And it's generally on Reddit. Who could it have been? Well, the number one thing that I kept saying, fucking spies. This guy kind of sounds like he's a spy. Several aspects. The lack of documents, uh, the removal and mutilation of the man's clothing, the, the mutilation, taking the labels off. Uh, they sound like they're trying to hide this man's identity. And it's something that maybe he himself would have done if he was a spy or if he'd been killed, they would have done that. You know, The to, killers would have yeah. done it, right. Instead, it seems like the stripping of his identity was done by a third party, though, a lot of people think, seeking to ensure the man's death would leave a dead end. Clearly, there's a strong likelihood whoever did it was also responsible. Right. So for the, you don't just go, huh, a dead body. Let's get rid of those fingerprints. <laughs> yeah. well, the, uh, the lack of care, the lack of markings on both himself and in his bag mm-hmm. mean that either he or whomever murdered him did not want him to be identified. Right. Looking at the guy's death, it looks like more than a regular suicide or a murder. The investigation in 48, they were sure that he'd been poisoned, but were unable to ascertain exactly how or with what substance. The murder had been committed with skill and a poison that was sufficiently obscure that they we said they wouldn't even talk about in open court. What's that sound like? Well, it sounds like a fucking professional to me. And it turns out those poisons that the medical examiner at the time thought that were so hard to identify that they couldn't say them in open court. Mm-hmm. Not really. Um, those poisons that they were so scared of weren't innately difficult to detect back, even back then, and would have probably been discovered in the summer demand's case as his death was suspicious. And so they tested for everything. They just weren't fucking there. Right. They weren't there. If he was poisoned, it was therefore more likely to be something more obscure and esoteric that would not be detected uh, without prior knowledge of its use. Well, guess what? Since the 1920s, a little outfit called the KGB. Who's that? It's the cable company in Australia. Oh, okay. They've been experimenting with producing exactly the same fucking poisons. They actually had this laboratory number 12. It was originally set up by Lenin in 21 and then expanded by Stalin in the 40s, specifically tasked with producing unique and untraceable substances, poisons. Undoubtedly, the U.S. had the same shit. There is no fucking way. And if we did, and th- that's just like everything. We got a poison plant. We've got two poison plants and a third. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Like, if one side had it, the other side. Yeah, had it, exactly. Yeah. Maybe the dude was an agent. Maybe he was a double agent. I mean, obviously, he had stuff he'd been to America or his clothing came from America. And so he'd uh, had ties to America so in one no ma- way or another. And so no matter whose agent he was, uh, whomever that whether it's the russians the americans or somebody else they're not going to claim him for no look at that backlash yeah and they're never going to come out and say oh we lost an agent the book with the cipher is probably the biggest clue to the point of espionage if it really is a cipher so the five line 50 character message prompted endless debate over the years still to this day amateur code breakers in the department of defense cryptologists everyone has tried to figure it out it remains unknown So they've speculated what it could be, and a lot of people say it's like a one-time pad. A one-time pad is a random 
one off. It's a cipher and you can only break it if you got the key because it's just gibberish to anyone else. And they all audit like Cold War Soviet spies operating in America. They use these to communicate because you can't break them because there's no pattern. It's randomness. And, and, and sometimes they're called one time pads. They're called other things as well. But it, the, the, the real key here, it, it, it's used over and over and over again in espionage. If you don't have the key to a cipher, you can't break it. That was the whole idea behind the Enigma machine, that, that movie, The Imitation Game with Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, Doctor Who. That they, they had the, it was a, it was a cycling set of ciphers that, that you needed this machine to decipher. Otherwise, it couldn't be broken. Then let's talk about the Justin. She was known as Justin, this nurse. Her real name is Jessica Thompson. And she talked about the, the Alf Boxel's role, you know, the, the other guy that she'd given the, the book to. Obviously, they have a role in this, this, this story. Many uh, have accused or com- many have said that they're suspects in the involvement. And also maybe they had dealings in espionage. Boxel admitted in the 70s he was involved in intelligence during the war. And in recent years, Thompson's daughter, Kate, has stated she believes her mother was a fucking Russian spy. This woman who almost fainted and no one knew anything about. I mean, these things are kind of adding up and stacking up against her. That's fishy to say the least, you know. And then there's always a fear that maybe she was responsible for his death. This is a quote here. She had a dark side, a very strong dark side. Kate told Australian current affairs show 60 Minutes. She said to me she knew who he was, but she wasn't going to let that out of the bag, so to speak. There's always the fear that I've always thought maybe she was responsible for his death. So is it that that she killed him? Was Jessica a sleeper agent? Was she a spy? Or more importantly, was it just a story of love gone wrong? There's an alternate way to look at it. Not a story of spies, but of I guess you could say romance, John. At least some of the evidence can fit into a scenario of unrequited love. There is at least some reason to believe that somebody was looking for Jessica Thompson the day before the Summerton man died. A witness who came forward several several years later recalled a man knocking on her door the day before Summerton man was found. I mean, we know that Jessica Thompson was in the habit of giving copies of the Rubiat to men she knew, and the Summerton man's copy contained her unlisted phone number. It's safe to assume the two were acquainted somehow. It's possible the man was a foreign sailor, I suppose, judging. Yeah, those stencils for the merchant ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But at some point in the previous few years, the pair had had a fling, maybe. Uh, for some reason, they were parted, and, and Thompson gave the guy a copy of the Rubiat as a keepsake for their time together. So it's it's intriguing. And the, an additional possibility, when they interviewed Jessica Thompson, she had a son, Robin. He was 18 months old in 1948. Several investigators have pointed to unusual features on the Summerton man and on Robin. So the Summerton man had these weird ears. They had a crease in them. It's a hereditary trait. But on top of that, even more, he, you have your front two teeth, then you have the other teeth next to it, and then you have your canines. He had a disorder that is hereditary. He had his two teeth, and then his canines are right next to him, like vampire looking. Like, it's just two teeth canine. Robin, the son, has the exact same ears and the deformality in his teeth. This cat looks exactly like the Summerton man. Then Robin's kid, exactly the fucking same again. Like, you know, it's this hereditary trait. 
fucking teeth, even more to me, the teeth than the ears. I mean, I guess to, I don't know. I guess they're both up there, but she'd bang this dude. Number one, she knew who the fuck he was. <laughs> Did she kill him? Did she, was it unrequited love? From your, Were your they the heredity expert, Brent Hand. Right. I mean, so <laughs> Nick Pelling on his on his blog, CypherMysteries.com, suggests the excessive sulfites used as preservatives in his baked goods might have actually caused a stream allergic reaction, and she had nothing to do with it. It's the pasty. The pasty was full of preservatives. This guy's been sick, and she had nothing to do with it. He just died. The pasty killed him. Severe allergic reaction. This might sound far-fetched, but it was clear from the autopsy that he was recovering from a serious illness. Like I said, he had enlarged spleen, and he's unlikely to have suddenly occurred. That happens when it's you've been sick for a long time, like mononucleosis, malaria, or a bad gallbladder. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so there's theories that all these things could have happened. And then we get up to recent times, and this guy, H.C. Reynolds, and, and in recent years, a new theory emerged as the identity of the Summerton Man. 2011, a woman approached Adelaide-based biological anthropologist, that's a mouthful, Professor, how do you say that name, John? Professor Hen- Hinnenberg. She, Professor Hinnenberg, with an old military service card that had belonged to her father, the U.S. Seaman's ID card featured the picture of an 18-year-old British man named H.C. Reynolds. According to Hennenberg, the man pictured in the card is probably the same man found on the beach in Somerton. It's not exact because it's a small picture, but the ears are the same, and the ears don't change over time. And they say when you die that lots of things change. Your ears don't. Um, I, I, another documentary I was watching uh, showed a few examples of this. It, it, the profile of a, a live person versus a dead person they showed. They actually showed the... Um, the autopsy photo of Marilyn Monroe, which if you haven't seen that, is crazy looking. Really? She looks like a, a her her dead face. I mean, she looks like a a fifty year old spinstress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it's crazy how how much she had changed. Uh, they also used JFK's dead body, and the point is, a lot a lot of your features sink in a little bit. Well, uh, very very shortly after your death. Your ears don't change. And the other thing that doesn't change is moles. And I guess this guy had a mole on his cheek. So did the Summerton man, same size, same space. So with these characteristics, she thinks that this was a Summerton man. Now, that doesn't negate any of the previous stuff. He was a seaman that was at 18. When they found him, he was 40 to 45 years old. Maybe he went from being in the service there to being a spy. Maybe he didn't. While this looks convincing on the surface, there are some problems. H.C. Uh, Reynolds' daughter was requested to remain anonymous, and her claims have proven difficult to verify. Uh, searches conducted by the U.S. National Archives. How, I mean, it's got to U- be hard to remain anonymous when your dad's pointed out. Well, the U.K. <laughs> National Archives and the Australian War Memorial Research Center have failed to find anything on H.C. Reynolds, so <laughs> it's not hard when they can't fucking... <laughs> She points them out, and then they go, oh, he doesn't exist. Well, in defense, once again, if they didn't want to find it, they wouldn't. Well, then researchers have found a possible civilian candidate named H.C. Reynolds, but the closest match died in 1953-1948. It's like so many leads. This proved 
bunk, nothing, didn't come out anything. The best lead we've got is probably the daughter and the Robin and then the his family going, oh, I look just like that guy and my mom was evil and <laughs> didn't want to say nothing. And everyone she banged, she gave a book to. <laughs> and so even more recently they've done some they've done some DNA analysis. They haven't done the perfect the perfect DNA analysis is exhuming the body. Which is Able to be done, it's there, but Australia won't fucking do it like all yeah, these. They say there's no fuck, reason to. Yeah, well. Hmm. So um, there's a professor from the University of Adelaide that uh, is probably the foremost expert on this case. Professor Abbott, is that his name? And uh, he's, he's really sticking his neck into the story here. <laughs> so yeah, I, his neck. <laughs> um, he he uh, has been working on the story for a long time. Uh, he started just, try, uh, just trying to... Uh, figure out the cipher with some of his uh some of his undergrads and he, he got a lot more into it a lot more into it into it into it he reached out to the family to try to find out as much as he could and the granddaughter of this whole thing he met they fell in love and got married and now they have three kids and guess what they got fucked up teeth and ears <laughs> they do <laughs> just like the fucking summerton so he went ahead and had uh basically they it's like exclusionary dna they have DNA run on um, on the kid that was supposedly the the child of the Summerton man, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so they have that DNA run, and then they have the DNA d- run on the mom, and then they take out all the DNA that comes from the mom. So what's left is from the dad, and so assuming that that's the child of the Summerton man, what's left is the DNA of the Summerton. So man. he's really, really, really pushing to have uh, this body exhumed. His name is Professor Jeffrey Mudgett. And uh <laughs> <laughs> that's not You're an idiot. This guy's this guy's trying. No, his best. this is no. Yeah. I, I'm making no. He didn't choose to fall in love with this person. He fell in love. It's all natural. Good for him. And he's really trying to find out if this. It's so close because if he could just get the DNA, they could say yes or no that um at least the Summerton man was the father. If you place a picture side by side of the Hadron Collider and the Aztec calendar, there's an eerie similarity between the two. What the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Robot. Well, you you spend your time partying, John. You tell me what you think on this story. Oh man, this story. It's a great number one. I love this story. It's it's so much fun and. We really don't know what happened. Something crazy happened. Someone died. Um, it's it's very rare that someone can't be identified after years and years and years using the press, mm-hmm. using as much help, using DNA. And the uh, one woman that knows her family goes, oh, that bitch is evil. <laughs> <laughs> I really do think that uh, the most outlandish tale is is the truth here. I think it's spy game. I think uh, I think he was probably an American spy. And uh, what we haven't we didn't talk about much is how not far from Adelaide, there was a huge missile base, Uh, one of the largest land missile bases in the world uh, there in Australia. And somehow that would tie in. Um, I'm not going to get too in depth into it. Uh, I, I know a lot more about it. I just don't want to. Uh, I'll just leave it there. But, but the, the point being, um, I that think bridge farm remembers. <laughs> I think that uh, I think this man was was an American spy. I think that he um, wanted to let someone know that someone was on his tail 
the way in which he was going to do so was use the book that he had been given. I think the cipher was was a message for the home team mm-hmm. that it very well might have been deciphered, by the way. And it's one of those things. Someone could have been on his tail and he ditches the fucking book as fast as he could. Right. Throws it in that because he's like, I, I, mean, I, I can't exactly let them find you it. You yeah. rip that thing out real quick. You ditch it and you move on. Yep. And uh, I, I think that I think whoever his home team was, if I'm wrong about it being America, maybe it was Russia. Uh, they already know the answer to this question, but they can't mm-hmm. say it. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely think oh, he was. The, the governments know this is not a this is not a mystery to a lot of people. I mean, it sounds fun being a love story and all of that. It just sounds it's just really weird. And it might to, still be a love story that just so happens to be a spy game as well. Yeah, I the, mean, James Bond fucks everyone. That's also true. That's also true. Uh, I, I definitely think that there is definitely espionage involved. I think the cipher is for real, but I, as we discussed earlier, I think you need the key to decipher it. No one's ever going to decipher no, it except no. for the people that already did whenever they read it 50 years or 70 I, years I, I ago. I agree. I agree that I think it's probably a one-off. I'm agreeing with you on almost everything on this. I agree he's probably in the spy game. I agree it was a one-off. I don't know if he's banging this broad or nothing. Obviously, it, the guy she had other, had other romantic relations with was a spy or at least was in intelligence. Her family said that she was, quote, evil, two, worked for the Russians, and three, yeah, she's a spy. Well, that's crazy. She spent the rest of her life denying, wouldn't even talk about this Oh, that's interesting. What if she was a Russian spy and he was an American and she found out they were star-crossed lovers? Isn't that the the part of the plot of Red, the movie Red? Remember that? So you're saying that he was a parent of Bruce Willis? Yeah, one of those things. Exactly. Well, he was cut. (laughs) <laughs> he was muscular. Uh, describe him again, Doctor. Ooh. Oh, he was so muscular and V-shaped. Mm. Damn it, Brent. Mm. We, just... we were talking about uh, our favorite Australian actors before. I mean, we mentioned very, very virile men. <laughs> Heath Ledger. Paul Hogan. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackass. Yeah, all those Stop people. it. Stop it right now. You do not talk about Wolverine no, that stop. way. You masturbate to him or something. You are way too in love with that guy. Stop it. Stop. He's right. He's right. We got along on this one. We agree. Guy's a spy. He's dead. They knew who he was. Broad's guilty. She's dead. Let his family dig him up to at least know that that was their grandpa. Great grandpa. Whatever. Case solved. There you go, Hysteria Nation. We solved it for you. Let us know that you agree with us, because that's the only thing that matters. He's done awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you. How can they let us know, John? They can go on Facebook and hit up Hysteria Nation. Get on Facebook, search Hysteria Nation, and join the conversation. Let us know what you think. Also go on Facebook and search Hysteria 51 Pod. Go on Twitter, at Hysteria 51 Pod. Speaking of Hysteria Nation, we've had a lot of people that have been active on Hysteria Nation. We are loving it. We want to actually give them a shout out. So who are some of the, the really active members this week on, on Hysteria Nation, John? A big shout out to Jason Wild, uh, Jamie and Aaron Babble, always fun contributing Ooh, members. Duo. Uh, Mr. Nick Amdor himself, a new member to Hysteria Nation. We love her contribution so far. Uh, Sarah Hearn and Denny Kish always coming through with something funny or somewhat relevant. Voicemails. We still need voicemails. We don't have any voicemails, Brent. We are out for now. 773-669-7277. That's 773-669-7277. So make sure you call us, you give us a voicemail. We want to hear your voice. And 
there's someone out there that did just that called and left us voicemail and we heard eh, and it cut off and the rest of it is nothing so if you called and left us a voicemail and you haven't heard it it's because it didn't go through so we want you to call back i know that's asking a lot but uh we still want to hear your your sultry sultry tones but what we do have brent what we do have is a contest Ooh, do tell john all right, kids, we are running a contest where you, you, me, are our fair me? listener. No, uh, our listener can win a Hysteria 51 grab bag. And it's actually a pretty cool prize. It actually is. We've been curating it, one might say, for quite a while. So you'll get your own Hysteria 51 bag, uh, an actual Hysteria 51 logoed bag. Uh, inside of said bag will be a, a Hysteria 51 t-shirt of your size. You'll let us know your t-shirt size when you win. You'll get a Hysteria 51 travel mug. You'll get a, a Hysteria 51 branded reptilian rape whistle. That is not a joke. No, it is actually true. It is made of a metal that uh, fell through the earth sometime in the 1950s. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, it turns out you cannot dent it, ding it, uh, scar the metal in any way. But don't try. Just take our word for it. Yeah, yeah. Some mileage may vary on that. A uh, bunch of Hysteria <laughs> 51 stickers and a bunch of swag from all of our sponsors. And here's what you have to do. It's really simple. Or is it simple? We'll see. It's all up to you. Tell us what a topic for the show should be. You're probably thinking, man, these guys are lazy. Well, we are. But we've also, <laughs> we've planned a whole lot of topics. And everyone knows Bigfoot and Amelia Earhart and shit like that. And we haven't done those ones yet. And we're going to. But chances are, if you come up with those topics for this, you're not you're not going to hit out. We want outside of the box thinking topics. Right. Don't come back to us and say, hey, you should really do the pyramids. <laughs> like, yeah, we're, we're, we know that we're, we're going to get there. Never heard of them. <laughs> what, what do you think about the Anunnaki? We're, 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 we're going to get there. Don't worry. But uh, today's today's uh, today's show is a perfect example. The Summerton Man. Now, obviously, don't suggest that one, but kind of out there uh, probably wouldn't have been top of the list, top of the radar uh, a little bit. But a really cool mystery, something we hadn't yeah, thought exactly. of. And we're going to sweeten the pot. Not only do you get that bag of swag, swag, bag whatever. of fun. Yeah, there you go. You also we're going to Skype you in and we're going to give us your opinion on that topic. We'll have you in at the end of the show. We'll play give you like when a we few do minutes. our opinions. Yeah, we'll give you a few minutes. Throw down what you actually think of that topic. So hopefully it's one that you've looked into. And if not, and you know nothing about it. Hell, we'll have you on anyway. That even might be more fun. If you want to, <laughs> if, you, if you don't want to and you just yeah. want the bag, that's fine. You too. get that, too. Yeah. Either way, Brent. How do they let us know their topic? How do they enter this contest? Very, very simple. Hysteria Nation, right on Facebook. We're going to have an official thread. You got to post in that thread. Don't start your own. I'll post it. We'll post it on the Monday that Summerton Man comes out. You're going to see on there, topic thread, you will have two weeks to come up with an idea, and that idea is going to be voted on by John and I. Hey, who knew? And and no, Conspiracy Bot does not get a vote. That's horseshit, and you know it. Well, that's just too bad, because you do jack shit around here, so you get jack shit. <laughs> Damn it, Brent. <laughs> You're thinking, well, how do I know what's already on your guys' list? You don't. Yeah, Brent seems like a weirdo. He might know about all this stuff. <laughs> you don't. So you don't. you're just going to have to come up with some stuff. And the best one, we're going to, we're going to, the best choose. one wins. Not at random, but we pick whichever one we want. There's no way to sweeten the pot unless you just got a sweet ass idea. So go to Facebook right now. It yep. is sitting on Hysteria Nation. Look for the post and give us your topic ideas. And don't worry, first one in the pool doesn't have a better chance nope. of winning. 
We'll stop voting two weeks later on that Sunday, and then the following Monday, the next day, we'll announce the winner. So two weeks to come in, and it is a, a lot of fun. The, the prizes are actually pretty cool. So looking forward to seeing everyone's ideas. And guess what? All you people that don't win, we're still going to take your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a win-win for us, you poor schmoes. <laughs> If you're looking for all the fine print on this contest, it can be found at www.wikipedia.org. Yeah, that's where it's at. And uh, now we're going to speed through all the the rules and regulations. (laughs) I hope someone slows that down. (laughs) So that's your assignment. Suggest as many topics as you want. We'll go through them. We'll let you know the winner. If you have any questions, direct them to ConspiracyBot. That's right. The big round file. (laughs) (laughs) And while you're letting us know, let us know by showing us your picture in your Hysteria 51 t-shirt that you bought on TeePublic, TeePublic.com, slash stores, slash Hysteria-51. That's a mouthful. Just go to TeePublic, search Hysteria 51. And if you forgot all of this, just simply go to Hysteria51.com. We got you covered there. This week, your homework, tell a friend about the show. Be active on Hysteria Nation. And don't forget to give us a review if you're on iTunes. We'd like it. It's got to be five stars, but you can say whatever you want. Yep. We have actually had them rolling in like crazy. We love it. So keep that up. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.